Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. And so in John chapter 16, we've been talking for weeks now about harvest time faith. Again, remember that harvest time faith is literally the ability to see up into heaven, see what God is saying needs harvest, and cooperating with that. So that's what harvest time faith does. Last week, we started talking about these three primary distinctions that get us away from harvest time faith. The first one was literally the distraction. Now remember, distractions are almost always visual. Visual. So if, if, if somebody in the church today gets up to go get a drink or, or go to the bathroom or whatever they do out there, I mean, there's evidently meetings going on throughout the church because there are people moving around. And, and if... And if you all notice that, so let's say somebody on this side of the church, now this will really make you guys guilty if you do this, okay? If somebody on this side of the church gets up, I'm watching you all and you do this to turn and look at that. And so to combat that, oftentimes I will move to the other side simply to draw your attention away from what's happening over there. Okay? I I mean, that's just one of the, you know, if, if there was ever a speaker school, they would teach this. Right. If you stay over here and draw people's attention so that you're looking crooked at me and and out of the corner of your eye, you see some person who is being motivated by the devil himself. (laughs) It's just needing to go to the bathroom. Okay. I mean, you know, whatever. Uh, I've always wondered as I've preached. So I'm a little random today because I didn't get to preach last week. In fact, Jeremy stood at my office door several times this week with fear and trepidation about whether or not to enter into a conversation with me because he knew that stuff would start coming out. And I was leaking all week long. But, but uh, anyway, let me just move on with, with this. But I, I've, I've never um, had to leave the stage to go to the bathroom. I don't, I don't get that luxury that, that my internal organs work during that time where I have to leave. So if that ever happens to me in my age... Just know I'm paying you back, okay? Um, <laughs> so anyway, in John chapter 16, we, we learn here uh, uh, from this scripture in verse number 12. Just look at it. He says, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Again, present tense at this moment. You can't pick them up and carry them into your future. So God is always revealing to us. Things that he couldn't reveal to us or did not reveal to us later. Please stop whining about how God reveals things to you. You couldn't carry them before now. So cooperate with what he reveals to you now. So anyway, we've been talking about this principle of of seed time or of, of harvest time faith. And we've talked about it being an inconvenient time. God almost always deals with us. At times of inconvenience. Because normally when we're inconvenienced, we're searching for answers. It is inconvenient when there is a detour on the road. Several months ago, there was a detour on the highway at Otis. It had rained. And for those of you who know, I'm a little fussy about my car. And so I decided there is no way they're going to detour me after this rain onto a dirt road. So I took Highway 14, clear up through all them little towns up there. There are no gas stations up there, by the way. 
So you want to make sure about that. And I ended up coming down through and coming home on 385. It was about 45 minutes longer to take that detour that I created by the distraction of my car getting dirty and the deception that I thought, this will really create a lot of work for me. If your car is dirty, it creates work for you. Clean it up, right? And so this idea that we have these times of inconvenience where we're looking for answers is when God normally begins to deal with us in a rather significant way. So we talked about that over the last little bit, and, and we, we get this opportunity to increase our capacity, sometimes just based on what is happening in our lives. And when that happens, we have these three rather inconvenient things. One of them is distraction. When our physical attention is broken by what we see, okay? That's what we talked about two weeks ago. We're today talking about deception. Deception is almost always verbally related. Distraction is sight related. You see it like somebody getting up to go to the bathroom. It breaks your concentration. You get distracted. How many have ever left one room on purpose to go into another room to do something that was really important, but when you went through the doorway... You couldn't remember why you came to the room. That's a distraction. There's actually a psychological term for that, that when you go through the doorway, it changes your perspective. You're no longer thinking that way. And you get in that other room and you throw your hands up in the air and go, I don't really know why I'm here. Right? That's a distraction. Deception is, and if you're following along in our notes, you'll, you'll see that, that deception, and I know, Jeremy, I'm sorry, I, I'm not using any of those things. Put up whatever quote you like um, when it comes up. You say, that's a good one, Pastor. I'm going to put that one up for you. Um, but, but start with when we refuse. Go back one. I'm sorry. Let me, let me try and get back on my notes. And I don't. When we refuse to put our eyes on God's presentation from heaven, we are distracted by the multiplicity of natural options of sight. See, if, if you are completely captivated by what you can see, it's really difficult for you to look up into heaven because all of this stuff is available to you. So that was last time. This time we're talking about deception. It's generally word-related or speech-related, and it means this, to mislead the mind. It means to cause to believe what is false or to disbelieve what is true. It also means to cut off from expectation. Okay. If I was to tell you today that Tracy and I put 200 ice cream bars in the freezer in the kitchen that we plan on giving out after the service. Everybody's free to have an ice cream bar. If you think about that long enough, you can come to one or two conclusions. Pastor is tricking us. I don't believe what he's saying is true. That group would be right. There are no ice cream bars in the freezer. Okay? Or to disbelieve what is true. I can't believe that he would do that. I was in a church service once where the pastor, just like what I did, did this random thing. And he offered ice cream bars for everybody at the church. 
And I thought, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard of. Nobody does that. And at the end of the service, these people dressed up in little ice cream type hats and in little aprons and stuff came wandering in and met all of us and gave us an ice cream bar. I thought, how cool is that? His point was, it's completely unrelated to this service. His point was that we are called to serve. But we all had to make a decision whether or not this was actually true. We gave words, and because of those words, we begin to process what we believe about those words. All right, so we can be deceived largely based on communicated thoughts. So deception is always a function of miscommunicated thoughts. Deception is always a misapplication of communicated thoughts. You can read God's word, hear it clearly, and say inside yourself, there's no way that's true. And you will deceive yourselves. Does that make sense? Now, when you see that God is pouring things out, in the weeks to come, you need to come to adult Sunday school. Because I'm going to teach you about being willing and obedient. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19, that if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat of the good of the land. Did you know it said that? How many of you know that if you can't see the good of the land, you won't think there's anything to eat? You'll be distracted. If you don't believe that the land is offering something good, you'll be deceived and not eat of the good of the land. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from above. I don't presently own anything that's perfect. I keep getting new cell phones over the years, thinking this one will be perfect. Now, what I want somebody to do is to make a cell phone that thinks and reacts like me. I want that cell phone to work like my brain. Now, I've, I've gotten over the years used to the newer cars that connect your phone when you get in there. And I love it, love it, love it. Tracy and I have our phones connected to our cars. And so there are times when I pull into the garage that the car grabs Tracy's phone. And she's talking. A lot of times she's talking to Susan. And, and she's talking to Susan. And now I have control. She can't hear it anymore because the car has it. Way cool is that? See, I want the phone to think like me. Right? But I've not had anything perfect. So here's the thing. When God said every good and perfect gift comes down from above, we've got to assess what came down from God as perfect, not needing anything else. Let me help you with the deception. We believe that nothing is perfect until we get to heaven. Well, when we get to heaven, some of you are going to be so disappointed with heaven, by the way. Because you think you get to ask questions. You won't. You won't even have any interest in that. You'll think you'll notice the streets of gold. You won't. You think you'll notice the size of your house. You won't. Those are all things people have taught us. Why? Because we have to make heaven more attractive? No, but because of the deception of who gets there. We have to convince people that, boy, you got a big house, so you ought to want to go there. You ought to want to go there because there is a face-to-face -face meeting with the Creator God. And I'm thinking that'll spin your wheels. Just a thought I had.
People say, oh, I can't wait till I get to heaven. You can fight. But spoiler alert. You can have that now. See, that's where deception comes in, doesn't it? We, we, we misappropriate the words that God speaks to us. Let me show you that in the Bible. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of John. Nope. That isn't where we want to go, right? Romans. John says, do not say, the verse we've been using here. He's, do you put it up there anyway, Jeremy? Thank you. Yeah, do not say. Notice that in our scripture, it says, do not say. It's dealing with the deception. Do not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. He's saying, don't say that your experience with me is completely governed by natural understanding. Do not say that. He says, look up into heaven, see what I'm going to do. The harvest is white unto, the fields are white unto harvest. See, that's why deception has to do with verbal things, with communication, literally misapplication of communicated thoughts. So look at this in Romans chapter 10. That's where I was going. I get excited because I've already preached this message about 82 times in my mind. And the parts that really bless me are living in there. They're just rolling around and I'm excited to get to that point. This is one of the points. This is the one you know. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do you all know that verse? Okay, so what we say is faith is developed, but what it's really saying is faith is recognized by the word of God being poured into you. So here's how it really works. When the word of God is active in your life, it comes in seed form. And it literally brings the DNA of God's intent into your life. And he gives you the faith to agree with the DNA that he's accomplishing in its intent. Now, I know that's a long way of saying God's word is true and it produces what he says that it produces. But God's word comes in seed form, in DNA form. In fact, the Bible says the word became flesh. The word is the DNA of Jesus. It produced in him and of him and through him a perfect representation of God's intent on the earth. So you see, when deception happens, we neglect the DNA of the word of God for the misapplication of the word of world or the word of my friends or the world of whatever. We take, listen, faith comes through hearing, right faith comes through hearing by the word of God. Have you ever met anybody that was kind of negative and they believed that everything was hap that was happening was going to be bad? And you look at their life and everything that happens to them is oftentimes bad because the DNA of the words produced in their belief system the structure of that negativity. You say, well, does that mean we all have to be positive? No, because you can't just automatically turn that switch. You've got to receive the DNA of the Word of God, which produces in you an ongoing growth and development of the intent and ideology of God. It produces the, the intent of God in your life. It doesn't do it by magic. It just continues to work in your life. So faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So here's your quote. Hearing by the Word releases the DNA of the seed of the Word to produce His intent. See, when Tracy, if you were in Sunday school... Tracy asked me a question this week about, you know, why do we pray when we know what's going to happen and all those kinds of things. And my answer to that and my answer to you is always because God wants us to align ourselves with his intent. 
You want to continue to produce the intent of God rather than scratching your head and wondering what God's going to do. Right. When you when you look at what's happening in our world today, stop scratching your head and wondering what God's going to do. God's already spelled all that out. There's not a whole lot of things left for God to to do or for to happen. To to release Jesus from his throne position to break the eastern sky. We're, we're, We're probably close in human knowledge to that to that point and so rather than sitting back going well I guess I'll spend all my money and I guess I'll have a great time because Jesus is coming back in the next two weeks maybe but maybe not right because we don't know no man knows and so we have to allow for God's DNA the DNA of God's word as a seed remember sorry I'll slow down remember the parable of the sower you know Jesus told his people, his disciples, he said, if you don't understand this, you won't understand any of the parables. And then he taught about these parables. And and what he was trying to get us to see is that there was a process of DNA replication that took place when the seed was sown. You all got time? Look with me, if you will, at uh, Mark Matthew, I'm trying to find, trying to find the one. Mark chapter four, let's do Mark chapter four. Sorry, it's not, it's not in your notes, but it won't be hard for you to, to, to put that in there. So it's in Matthew, it's in Mark and it's in Luke. And uh, I have a, I have a Luke, Luke scripture in your notes, you can look at that later. But notice in uh, Mark chapter 4, in verse 3, it says, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. So here, let me, let, me, let me give you what this is talking about. The sower is likely God himself or the Holy Spirit or, or, or however you need to see that. It's not us. And the word is the seed and we are the soil. Are you with me? Each of you have the four types of soil represented in this parable in you already. Please, please don't think, well, I'm the good soil. Hallelujah. Nope. You've got some other soils there that that aren't necessarily producing in the way that God wants them to because the soil limits the reproduction of the DNA of the word. Do you see that in verse number? So sower goes out, he sowed, and some fell on the wayside. You all have a wayside application in your, in your life. Those times where you're walking either on the border or outside the border of what God has for you. And, and the enemy just comes and devours the seed that's sown in your life. And you can, you can see that in, 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 in some fall on stony ground in verse number five. How many of you know you've got some unplowed ground in your heart? And, and it has no depth of earth and it gets scorched. In fact, if you look at the example of this in the next parable talk here in verse 13 and following, he, he, he says, listen, um, this is uh, number, verse number 17. It says they have no root in themselves and endure only for a time. But when tribulation, tribulation and persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. One version says immediately they are offended. So he says, now these are the ones. That are sown with thorns. You see how the, 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 the condition of the soil affects the reproduction 
of the word in your life. 18 says, for these are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear. And the cares of this world. Notice that the cares of this world can affect how the seed of the word of God reproduces in your life. In fact, in this case, it says it becomes unfruitful. In the, in the correlating story in Luke, it says, and there is no fruit to maturity. So I want you to see that, that what God is trying, to, I think what God is trying to get us to see here is that without this soil being prepared to receive the seed, then the soil will limit the production of the DNA of the seed planted in our life. And it happens all the time. When the cares of this world pitch you off. Tracy shared this morning, and we had this conversation over hours yesterday as we were just chatting with each other. And, and uh, uh, anyway, and she was, she was saying about how frustrated it was, it is for her to go to the grocery store sometimes, you know, because, because eggs cost so much or something along that lines. And what happens is that care, that deceitfulness of riches chokes the word of God and it becomes unfruitful. We are, we are not able to produce the intent of God in that area in our life. See, that, that deception that says, wait a minute, this has to be better. One of the greatest deceptions in the church today is the deception of intended comfort. We believe in some ways that God intended to make sure we were comfortable. That's why we say the things we do and believe the way we do. We want to be comfortable. God will, will, will meet all of my needs. And I always challenge people when they say that. I said, listen, if you're the only one that's blessed, when your prayers are answered, your prayers are selfish. See, you're not reproducing the DNA of the word of God. You're limiting the fruitfulness of that passage. So here's your quote. The heart, the soil condition is the limitation of heavenly production. Now I know that many of you will say, no way God's word is so powerful. Listen to me, listen to me carefully. I am not limiting the powerful nature of God's word. I'm talking to you about the unplowed soil of your own heart. When your heart isn't prepared to receive that. It's why Tracy is praying before we, I mean, we've had this conversation when God began to deal with us about changing the service and how this works. And she says, I really want to pray to prepare people's hearts. You need to understand that we believe that God is coming through with a colossal farm implement for your heart to prepare you to receive into broken up, fallow soil called good soil that produces some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. And if you do the math, there are four types of soil, three of them not so good, right? One of them, or 25%, 25% of the soil is good. Now, unless you are like supernaturally unhuman, about 75% of your heart needs some work. Thank you for your enthusiasm over that one. 25% of your heart's ready to roll. Then he says 30, 60, 100 fold. Do you realize that if you divide those three things in there of the 25%, 25 divided by three is about eight. Do you understand that about 8% of you 
are going to get a hundredfold return by, by Jesus' own explanation. 8% of you will get 60 and 8% of you will get 30. 75% of the soil is bad, doesn't really produce very well. 8% is good and of the 8, 25% is good. Of that, there are three intended results. So of the 25% divided by three, about 8% of the good soil produces a 30% return. All of us want the hundredfold return. What's the difference? The quality of the soil affects heavenly production. I was pretty sure that was better than that. We think simply because we show up to the spiritual conversation that God just gives us a hundredfold. In fact, the other spot where this is talked about is he gives a hundredfold return with persecution. Most of you with any kind of thinking don't want a hundredfold return because it comes with persecution. And you're trying to be comfortable. Do you understand how the limitation of your soil affects the DNA, the reproductive nature of what's sown into your life? See, I could stand up here and preach hundredfold return. I could preach to you something that I know most of you are almost completely unaware of. Did you know in giving, Tracy mentioned it today, we were going to talk about it at some point in the future, first fruits giving. Did you know that the Bible in the Old Testament says the first part of everything that comes in belongs to God? So let me help you with that. If you're old enough to get a Social Security increase coming in January 1, you get a cost of living increase of 4 to 8% or whatever it was. God expects you to give that whole increase to him as a first fruit. Nobody does that. Oh, okay. You'll twist that. Any of you having any investment income? And maybe you make, you know, X number of dollars a year. And at the beginning of the year, you take that X number of dollars, let's just for, for, for easy purposes, let's say you make $12,000 a year of investment income. Because you're, the reason I can do all this stuff is this is where Tracy and I are living right now. So, 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 so God, through your, through your retirement stuff, gives you $12,000 in, in yearly income. And you divide that by 12 in the first month or the first fruits belongs to God. So in January, you should write a check. You say, well, I'd never do that. Okay, let me tell you the results. Hebrew, or Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 says, so that your barns will be full and your vats will overflow. Do you want that? Of course you do. But you see, we never pay any attention to the word of God having a benefit of DNA. Producing things. You say, well, I just can't believe you. You just want us to give more. Listen, I don't care whether you do this. I'm telling you this for your benefit, not for the church's benefit. You see, I talk with pastors all the time. I talk with pastors who don't tithe. I'm going, Wait. They say, no, we spend it on ministry stuff. I go, sure you do. Listen to me. The Bible says, bring your tithe into the local storehouse. Find one. Because he will rebuke the seed eater for your benefit. Oh, I want that. See, but when your soil's not ready, you won't let the DNA of God's word reproduce in you because you've got a better plan. That's deception, people of God. Thank you. What verse, what verse did I say? Nine and ten. Nine and ten. Thank you. For, did I put that in the notes? No. Oh, good. So I was close just by revelation of the Lord. So your barns will be filled. What, put up verse number nine. Can you do that, brother? We got time. 
Honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruits of all your increase. Did you know that was in the Bible? Of course you did, but you didn't understand it. So then by not understanding it, you cannot cooperate with the production of the DNA of that word. And so your barns won't be full. Amen. Rabbit. Oh, okay. (laughs) Do you see that? Do you see how the deception causes us to misapply the word of God? Well, God just wants us to give everything. Well, first of all, you're not giving anything that you own. If you think, well, I own it, then you're already deceived. So welcome to the misapplication of the DNA of God's intent. Do you see how that works? People say, well, I can't believe that pastor. He's just money hungry. You cannot plant a seed to reproduce your greed. Your seed doesn't produce greed. It only has the seed of the word of God only has the ability to reproduce the DNA of God. You can't plant a big enough seed to reproduce greed. You cannot corrupt your way to blessing. That's deception, people of God. How did we get here? Are you getting this? Because, see, these three things, when you get distracted by visual things, you'll take your eyes off of what God is offering from heaven. When you get deceived by misapplication of truth, you'll actually believe what isn't true or refuse to believe what is true, and you'll miss out on the reproduction of the Word of God in your life. And I want to just tell you something. The Word of God in good soil reproduces. None of you have an investment, to my knowledge, that is reproducing 30-fold, 30 times. That means your $1,000 investment produces 30 thousand dollars none of you have that that's the bottom end of God's DNA none of you have a thousand dollar investment that produces 60 you say well I do I'm good soil okay then show me those things now I learned this from you you didn't realize you were a laboratory But when you all as church people got a hold of God's word and stopped allowing some of the deception to come, you became some of the most phenomenal givers this planet has ever seen. And to date, you oftentimes give away almost as much, you know, sometimes almost as much as what comes in every year. You think, how do you keep doing that? Because there's this application of DNA of God's word. See, you all as a church, as a living entity... we tithe, we give offerings. And last week, whether you realize it or not, you all gave a first fruit offering, the first of the extra of the increase, right? You give first fruits of the increase of the Lord. So your elders decided last week to give the increase away. They gave a hundredfold of the hundredfold. You say, huh. And just mark my words for just a second. Are you ready? We will find ourselves in this position of abundance again very shortly. Why? Because the DNA of God's word always works in prepared soil. Yeehaw. Do you 
see how deception works? Now, I didn't even touch. Look, at how hard is it, Jeremy, to put up the definition again where it says and removes you from the expectation? Did you all look at that? So, so deception, not believing what is true, believing what isn't true, and removing yourself from the expectation. When you're deceived you, to cut off from expectation, you actually can't believe that God would do what his word says he will do. Exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond anything that you could even dare to ask. You won't believe that that's possible. You'll cut yourself off from the expectation by deception. So you look up into heaven, you'll see the suggestion from God, and you'll say to yourself, there's no way on God's green earth that I, we, or Eckley, or New Life, or this little town, or this little, no way we can do that. And you'll cut yourself off by deception from the expectation of the reproduction of the DNA of God's word. Way to go, God. That was really, that was awesome. You want to know why churches struggle? They've removed themselves from the expectation. Somebody in the world has poisoned the pool of prosperity. They say, well, you know, that prosperity, that's not of God. Okay. I don't even know how to argue with that. If God pours out and we refuse to stick our cup under the spigot... I'm not sure whose fault it is. When God began to teach Tracy and I, you know, we came into this thing believing God would take care of us. And early in our church career, we, we struggled just a little bit. And finally, some of these things began to click with us. And we went, wait, you mean to tell me that if we do this, that God will do that? Yeah, I do mean to tell you that. But it's only in this area. See, it's not a tithe. Listen, if you do not fulfill your tithe, you can never give an offering. Are you with me? If you do not fulfill your tithe, you cannot give an offering. You will not enter into the blessing of offerings. I like the blessings of offerings. Want to know why? Because the Bible says, shall men give unto the coat of your bosom formed as a pouch. I just like the dog dare you fill this up. That's what offerings do. I didn't know he was going to talk about money today. Tithing. Malachi chapter 3 verse 11 says, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. The word translated devourer there is literally seed eater. See, if you want your seed to go better, you should tithe. And quit making up your own rules. Did you know that when you make up your own rules and give your tithe to the poor, that God is only obligated to replace it? Are you ready? He who gives to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay them. What's the process? One to one. One to one. When you understand, thank you, that's you see that? Rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. That sounds altogether like that helps your soil work better. 
Anyway, back to this other thing I was talking about. So when you decide to give your tithe to the poor, you, you yourself remove it from the benefits of the tithe into the benefits for giving to the poor. One to one, God will give you your money back. Would any of you like me to just touch on this for a month or two? <laughs> because some of you are looking at me like, like wait, really? If you do not understand this, that part of your soil, of your heart, has not been plowed to allow for that seed to take hold and produce the DNA of God's intent. God's intent in first fruits is how this all got started. God's intent in first fruits is to fill your barn to overflowing and to fill your vats with new wine. The spiritual connotations of that are just absolutely mind-blowing. I've gotten some of the best revelation, some of the best overflowing new wine in my life after seasons of first fruits. I just go, man, I can't think this stuff up. And I'm just going, this is, this is awesome. It's awesome. And so what does God do? He prepares our soil with our cooperation. And by the way, it is painful when you're governed by your own thoughts to allow God to tear up your heart. It is painful when he comes with his four-wheel drive spiritual tractor and a four-bottom plow and, and tears your heart up to 18 to 20 inches deep and turns the dirt over. My wife, every time we drive by a field like that, she says, oh, I just love the smell of dirt. And all I can think of is when God does that to me, I don't love the smell of dirt. It feels a little bit like death. Because God just tore up my heart and made it better for planting, but worse for consideration. I went, ouch. See, I know that the dirt itself does not have feelings and all of that, but, but I have feelings. When God comes into my life and does that, it's, it, it's how you learn not to murmur and complain. Because the end result of God's plowing in your life is to make your soil better so that your soil reproduces the DNA of the intended intent of God's seed planted in your life. Are we together? Thank you, Jesus. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of James. <clears throat> How are we doing, Jeremy? Jeremy loves it when I do this. He's back there trying to figure out what quote I'm supposed to put up. And yeah, I'm just meandering. Thank you very much for pointing that out. Been such an interesting prophetic time. James chapter 1, look at verse number 12. Blessed is the man that endures temptation. Notice that temptation in and of itself is not sin, but something that you endure. When you're deceived and you believe temptation is sin, you will deal with it differently and you will say, oh, well, I'm already in the middle of this. I guess I'll do it. And then God can forgive me. That's deception. For when he has been approved, literally tested to the place of proving, he will receive the crown of life. By the way, the crown of life is a recognition point for heavenly times. So when the enemy, when this happens in your life and God sets the crown of life on your head, 
The enemy looks from the spirit realm and says about that person, do not go there and mess with them because out of my attack, out of the enemy's attack, will only come the life of God. The enemy will leave you alone in that area that you've received the crown of life. Because you you understand the reproduction, right? You're reproducing the, the life of God. Are we all together or did I just jump into the weeds? When you've been approved, let no one say when he's tempted. Notice the verbal nature of this. Do not say when you're tempted, I am tempted by God. For God tempts no man. God is not putting you through this. See, that's the deception that comes into an unfallowed heart. And it will reproduce this idea that God is keeping you poor. God is killing your children. God is is doing all these terrible things to you when he's not. And you'll believe these crazy things. Amen. It says, God cannot be tempted by evil nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. You are in the situation you're in because of the desire that's in the unfallowed part of your heart. Man, I want to tell you something. I desire easy. I really do. I desire comfort. I desire for people to agree with me. I desire for people to be quiet when they have problems. I desire to to pastor people who are wealthy and have no problems. I desire to never have to struggle with my wife or her struggle with me, which is really what happens. But anyway, nonetheless, I desire those things. But those things are not realistic spiritually because some of my heart is not prepared to live through the DNA of God's intent because it's not been plowed in that area recently. If you people don't do better, I'm going to preach this again next week. Each one is drawn away by his own desires and what? Enticed. This is the frosting on the cow pie principle. It's made to look good. It's enticed. Then it says in verse 15, when desire has conceived. You need to understand something. You can either be pregnant with the desires of God's word being reproduced in your life or the desires of your desires being reproduced in your heart. See, many of us are pregnant with the desires of God. Some of us are pregnant with the desires of self. I really want that one. I used to get pregnant all the time. I could get pregnant over a car. All I had to do was drive by the right car. Dear God, I wanted that car. I remember when Bob and Bob, Barb Ingalls, Barb bought... Bob and Barb bought my dream car several years ago. And I went up to her, half kidding and 95% true, and said, I can't believe you did that. I know she's watching, yeah. And here's what she said. Because see, I would have been married to that car. Man, I love that car. She reached in her purse, grabbed them keys and threw them. And says, take it for a drive, I don't care. And I went... Really? So I got in that car. It had a supercharged, turbocharged, spin the wheels motor in it. It was awesome. 
Plug yours if you're going to turn me in. But I went east, west from here and got down about three or four miles. And when I reached about 110 miles an hour, I thought that's probably fast enough. And so then I turned around and came back. And when I reached about 110 miles an hour, I thought I better put the brakes on so I can turn in here and give Barbara car back. I was pregnant with desire. Do you know when I drove the car, I no longer have the desire. Why? Because I had, I had decorated the cow pie of my desire. I, I was enticed by it. When I got to the real thing, it wasn't nearly as fulfilling. You ever looked at a meal sometimes? I, I do this all the time because I, I bake occasionally. And so I'll go into stores like, like convenience stores and, and, and buy a pop or something like that. And, and right up there at the front, they've got like seven-day-old cinnamon rolls. They got so much frosting on them that no way if you ate that, it'd taste good. They just, oh, they just, and, but they kind of look good. And I think, well, they won't be too bad. Maybe I should get one of those. And I'm thinking to myself, I am absolutely and totally 100% positive that I make a better cinnamon roll than what's in that box. The DNA of my baking ability, now this is a feeble example, but the DNA of my baking ability, what God gave me or what I learned or whatever, is way better than what the world offered. When your soul is, is, is prepared to receive the word of God to produce its intent, the rest of the stuff doesn't look as good anymore. It's awesome. It says he's tempted, drawn away by his own desires, enticed. And when desires conceived, it gives birth to sin. Notice that all of those things become the way this works. This DNA of temptation left loose in your life produces these things and leads to death. See, we can see that about sin, but we don't recognize it about God's word and how it produces the life Literally the DNA of the Father in our lives. See, that's why deception is so important to understand. It's a misapplication of thoughts. It'll get you away from the harvest of God. Are we together? Amen. Put up the last quote, would you please, Jeremy? Come on, music team. When our saying is evidence of wrong and planted seeds, the DNA of death is produced. See, when the Bible says in John, do not say that there are yet four months to the harvest. He said, don't say that. Don't limit yourself by the natural production understanding that you have. He says, do not say. So when our saying is evidence of wrong implanted seeds, the DNA of death is produced. Do you see it? Do you see how deception works? So when we're deceived away from the intent of the Father, it's because we've received the DNA of a, of a prostituted seed. We've received it and it's begun to produce exactly what the Bible said it would produce if it's left unchecked. That's why deception is so important. So we looked at being um, um, distracted, how it's sight related. We looked today at being deceived and it was an interesting rambling so forgive me if you need to and and please don't ever give me another week off <laughs> actually it was my choice I mean elders and I anyway deception is a misapplication of word okay 
Next week when we come back, we're going to talk about detours. Detours is a choice to turn. It's a choice to turn away from what God is leading you to. These three things will hinder your ability to walk in the harvest of God's intent. Does that make sense? Stand with me and let me pray for you. Father, thank you today for this time. We just bless you, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Bless us, Lord God, to process, to allow this to become a part of us, to help us, Father, to see all of the nuances and the things that you are showing us from your word, Father. Thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch sermon slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.